And if you want to take your Bibles, please let's go to the book of James chapter 4. And uh, we're gonna, I'm going to go into super high gear this morning because uh, uh, we've got a lot of material to cover and uh, as they say, the time is short. So uh, uh, we'll do an abbreviated message, if you will, this morning, but some wonderful, wonderful material out of James chapter 4. If you'd uh, take your Bibles, please, and go to verse 11 and 12, and then we'll skip down to verse 17 as uh, we get into the precious Word of God this morning. We're going to be talking, as you're turning to it, the battle in your mind. There's also the battle for your mind, but there's also a battle that takes place in our mind as, as God's people. Everything that we do, we're always going to be challenged. A lot of that challenge comes from within ourselves. Of course, uh, we like to blame a lot of things on the devil and the demonic army as well. But uh, there's a battle that goes on in the mind. God makes it very clear that we're going to have this battle, and we're going to look at that this morning. Uh, again, as we like to say here at Union Grove Baptist Church, we like to peel God's Word one passage at a time. So for those that, uh, especially that are here for the first time, we always open up the Word of God. Uh, we study the Word of God uh, during the week, and then we present messages in church and Sunday school, Wednesday nights, and our other activities right from God's Word. All right, let's start James chapter 4, verse 11. And again, this is a very, very practical book that God is speaking to the brethren, Christians, regarding their conduct. James chapter 4, verse 11, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. All right, so I, I want to point that out. Well, I don't want to say too much in the text before we pray here, but this is speaking to the Brethren, when we're talking about the brethren, we're talking about men and ladies, uh, young people that have trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So it's specifically spoken to Christians. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver, speaking of the Lord, who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge another? Now let's skip down to verse 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Father, I pray over these next few minutes as we open up the only book you've ever given us to read, the precious word of God, that you speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, you know I love the folks here at Union Grove Baptist Church. I believe they sincerely love each other. And Father, as we look into this passage, I pray that you'd uh, help each of us, Lord, to keep this as something in the forefront of our minds uh, and the importance of loving your people and working with them and to do everything we can to uh, keep a good attitude towards others within our church family and of course Christians around the world. So Father we commit this time to you. Pray that you'd speak the hearts, revive the saved and save the lost. Please in Jesus name. Amen. We like to say here that this is the church that God's love is 
building. I absolutely love that. The church God's love is building. Folks, the, the, the reason, uh, and, and we've been saying this virtually every week, the reason why God has been bringing more people is because of folks like you that love each other, that are showing an interest in folks. And when folks come here, and some are uh, haven't trusted Christ yet, others are, have been looking for a church home where people love them and care for them, and they've gone through, so many folks have come through some very, very difficult times. Folks that, uh, quite frankly, uh, at, at places they've been in the past, they've been mistreated, their, their souls are burned, and they're looking for a church where uh, folks will be loved. Now, let me make it real clear, because it's like, well, does that mean you're about nothing but love and there's no accountability and uh, God has no standards? Absolutely not. God does have standards. And God does expect us to live in certain ways and so forth, and yes, there is accountability. But in God's family, every single person that comes here needs to know that their pastor loves and cares about them. That's what a pastor's supposed to do. He's a shepherd. He's to love, if you will, and no disrespect meant, but the biblical term is sheep. The shepherd is called to love, to care for his sheep, and to what? Protect them, literally protect them. Thy rod and thy staff, Psalm 23, thy rod and thy staff, they do what? They comfort me. What does what the staff use? The shepherd comes and he uh, sees a sheep that's kind of walking away and he gently pulls him back in and uh, pulls him back into the fold. What does the rod do in that shepherd's hand, by the way? Well, he beats off the wolves. That's what a shepherd does. Uh, so you got to love the people, care for the people, uh, protect them, fight for them when necessary. Folks, first of all, and I don't want to get off into what happened all this week, but I want to make this statement very quickly. What took place down in, in Kenosha, the unrest that took place, you're like, Pastor, what do you think about all that? I think it's uh, deplorable. That's what I think about that. And I'm so happy that uh, uh, the National Guard was called in. There's folks in this auditorium, many folks that had called me. They were scared. They were upset. They're like, you know, Pastor, what's going to happen? And I'm like, well, if the government does the right thing, and those that don't know me well, I was in government for 32 years as well as preaching for, well, long, a lot longer than that as uh, the sheriff of Milwaukee County. And again, I'm not trying to get political, but it's important. God established government to protect people. Genesis chapter 9, God instituted human government. We didn't have, human beings did not institute it. God did Genesis 9 basically to protect people. Well, again, and I put it out on our video on Thursday, uh, the president made the call. The president of the United States calls our governor and says, step up your game with the National Guard. They brought in hundreds of troops, and of course, Wednesday night, there was no unrest. Imagine that. Um, so you're like, you're for bringing in the National Guard and police and making sure that people aren't getting killed on the streets and beat up and uh, uh, places looted and damaged and burned down. I'm absolutely for law and order. You've got to be. How can you be a child of God, love people, and not want law and order? You just have to. Genesis chapter 9 uh, supports that. That was all free of charge. It had nothing to do with the message. All right? But uh, it's good. Folks are like, well, what's your stand on this? Well, I take a very harsh, strong stand. God has instituted government to protect every single one of you, and that's exactly what we should expect. All right.
Uh, James chapter 4 now. Let's uh, switch back to that love part after I got through with my little tirade. And uh, what, what, what are you talking about here? We're talking about God's love for people. So here's the, the key couple of questions that we're going to ask and uh, hopefully get through in the next few minutes. How come it is so easy to criticize other people? You say, Brother Rich, I think you just said something negative maybe about some of the folks uh, that weren't uh, responding properly in the law enforcement field. I did. But we're going to see the difference. We're going to look at the biblical concept of improper judging, and then we'll look at the other side of the coin, if you will, about holding those in authority and leadership uh, in account of, with accountability. We'll see that as we go through the text. Can the habit of criticizing others be broken? Folks, it's so easy to be negative. Uh, human nature, folks, it's just plain old-fashioned human nature. We love to criticize whatever. It's just in our, it's in our, eh, it's called the sin nature, right? It's there. Can we trust the Lord to deal with his people? In other words, it's like, ah, do you know what so-and-so did? Uh, I saw so-and-so do something. They're out in the street or they're at a restaurant or they did this and they did that. And it's like, does God need us to backstab our brothers and sisters in Christ, or can we trust him to hold them, if you will, accountable and to convict them if indeed there was wrong? Is there occasion when Christians must hold others accountable? And we're going to see that as we go through the biblical text this morning. So here's the basic concept for the two verses we'll look at. So we're basically going to look at the spiritual battle you and I face as Christians, when we, here's the key concept, improperly judge one of our brothers or sisters in Jesus Christ. So let's look at the verses again. Uh, verse 11 says this, Do not, Christian brethren, speak evil of one another. He who speaks evil of a brother or sister and judges his brother or sister speaks evil of the law and judges the law. So when we look at the text, here's exactly, and, and that's why uh, we got to study the text, see what the original words meant in the original language, and what exactly is God telling us. Here's what he's saying, do not speak evil. The concept of speaking evil, actually, when you get to the root concepts in the word, is to slander, to backbite, to defame someone else. And God's saying, listen, when you're talking about a brother or sister in Jesus Christ, you literally cannot. It's the command of God, slander them, backbite, defame them. It's just inappropriate. And God's saying, listen, he's called us to love one another, to serve one another, uh, uh, to be uh, supportive of one another. And if, uh, how, do you, how do you wreck a church? And folks, that's why this church is not wrecked. It's going in the right direction. How do you prevent a church from imploding? Well, folks, here's the way you do it. You show love to one another. You say, Brother Rich, you know, oh, that's that sappy love stuff. You know, that just gets, it can't get old, folks. That is the core of Christianity. They shall know us by our what? By our what? And then she'll know us by our love. Folks, there's, there's no way around it. Now you say, well, uh, you know, uh, I, I like to have, have a tough demeanor and be a strong person. And uh, I have a strong personality. And, and how does that jive with love? It can jive very well. 
you can still have accountability, you can still be a man's man, you can still be a lovely lady, a strong lady, a strong personality, you can still be a good business person and love people and do things the right way without backbiting and devouring one another. It's not saying you need to, uh, 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 I won't say that. I was going to say uh, the men uh, have to put on frilly whatever, but uh, you don't have to do that. You can still be strong men, strong ladies, have strong business sense, do things correctly, and yet love people. You can't. What does he say? He who speaks evil of a brother and judges. Here's the, here's the root concept of what God's getting at here. He's saying if you go after someone, you speak evil of them, and you do what? You judge them. The actual concept here for judging is to cast a determination of guilt. It's not saying, you know, hey, uh, hey, uh, you, uh, you know, I, you did X, and you shouldn't have done that, and you're wrong, I'm right, bam, and you're in their face. Or maybe you're doing it behind their back, right? That's happened so much. And God is saying, as a Christian, when you look at a brother or sister in Christ, are you looking at somebody and you make this horrible, slanderous determination and you cast the deciding vote against them? They may have done something. They may not have done something. What God is saying is you can't do that. It's very simple. Do not judge your brothers and sisters. Don't judge them, hold them as if they've committed some horrific sin and make a determination against them because you know what it's going to do? It's going to divide the body. Get what he's saying? And folks, again, and, and I always like to say because James is so tough in his language, I believe Union Grove Baptist Church, and I'm not saying, I don't say what I don't mean. I have watched people give and give and give and give and sacrifice and sacrifice. And folks, that's, that's what's making Union Grove Baptist Church a strong church. And when we read things like this, it's like, ah, the preacher's getting on us. No, preacher's saying you've been doing a good job. I don't see this. But if this kind of thing crept in, oh boy, you talk about how to divide a church, this is exactly the way to do it. Psalm chapter 41 verse 7 says, all who hate me whisper together against me. Against me they devise my hurt. Do you know how David was being attacked when he was writing this? King Saul and his army was coming after him. They wanted to devour him. They didn't trust him. They didn't like him. And David was actually serving them and supportive of them, but they devised these horrible things against him. They devised my hurt. Verse uh, uh, 9, even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Whoa, you been there? A friend that all of a sudden takes the knife out and stabs you in the back with it and just absolutely tears you apart. How's that feel? Ugh. Right? It's horrible. But you, uh, David, cries out, O Lord, be merciful to me and raise me up that I may... Well, he said it may repay them, but of course David never did come after Saul, did he? He let the Lord handle it. Ephesians chapter 4, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Folks, we just listened to seven beautiful testimonies about folks that somehow... The Lord Jesus got a hold of them. The Holy Spirit touched their hearts. They knew they were sinners. They knew they were lost. They knew they were lost, just like you did. And God looked down and said, 
Brother Rich, you're a mess. You're a messed up teenager. And I love you. And even though you were a sinner, even though you weren't serving me, even though you uh, at times spoke ill of me, I loved you enough to come down and die on a cross for your sins because I love you. And that's how God wants us to respect every other single believer, to love them, to care about them, to forgive them, just as Christ did. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, riches loving favor rather than silver and gold. A uh, good name. Folks, if we uh, backbite and devour other folks, ah, it's not a good thing. Matthew chapter 11, uh, was the Lord Jesus slandered? You bet you he was. In uh, Matthew eleven nineteen. it says, the Son of Man or Jesus Christ came eating and drinking and they say, ah, let's mock him. Let's try to uh, destroy the Lord Jesus. They slander him. Look, a glutton and a winebibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by her children. What, 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 what's the point here? Jesus Christ himself was slandered. You might have been slandered, folks. Maybe you, uh, maybe your friends, maybe a Christian brother or sister had said things just like they did against Jesus and you knew it was wrong and it was improper and it hurts and it's painful. Jesus has been there. Matthew chapter 26, Now the chief priests, the elders, and the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Can you imagine? And I'm going to tell you an illustration in just a moment. The one kind of thing that disturbs me more than anything else, especially having been in law enforcement, is when people are falsely accused. Absolutely destroying Lives, when people think they see something, they think they heard something, and false testimony comes, and a life is ruined. Let me share a picture with you. Horace Roberts, at 40 years old, was convicted of murder. Yeah, said the, said the witnesses, we saw... We saw him. Yeah, we, we, we know he's the guy. He's the one that, that killed the person. Absolutely, positively, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm sure we saw it. I'm sure we heard that. Horse went to jail. Like, unfortunately, dozens and dozens of other people. He spent 20 years in prison. Finally, as most of us are aware, DNA evidence came about. The DNA evidence from the murder scene was tested against this poor gentleman, Horace, who had been spending nearly 20 years falsely in prison, missing his family, missing his young people, missing his life, stuck in a rotten, filthy prison for 20 years because people falsely accused him. Folks, this is not an unusual story. If you go to the internet, it's filled with things like this. Horace there, through the Innocence Project, was let out of prison. Folks, do you see what can happen when you say something you shouldn't? I saw this! I heard this! The next thing you know, someone's life is ruined. 
may not be as severe as this where you ended up in prison for 20 years, but can you imagine when you say something uh, about someone, maybe it's your child or a, a spouse or a loved one or, or somebody you work with or somebody you, uh, you know through your business and you say something uh, that's unkind and the next thing you know the slander comes out and their life is absolutely turned upside down and they're just heartbroken. Their lives feel like they're absolutely ruined. And God says, folks, you can't do that. Absolutely can't do it. Who should we uh, come after? So let's go to the other side of the coin real quick as we close out. Titus chapter 3, verse 10 through 11 does tell us that there are certain people that we need to hold accountable. Reject a divisive man. Now, the, the original uh, basically is the word heretic, a person who basically is teaching false doctrine out of this book. And God makes it very clear to reject a divisive person or a heretic after the first and second admonition. Hey, Pastor Rich, I think you said in a message X. Did you really mean that? You know, if I understand the Bible right, you're dead wrong on that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, fine, go away. They come again and say, Pastor Rich, listen, I think you really messed up on that doctrine. Now, if that was somebody coming to me and said, man, you're, you're, you're messing up here. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, I know everything. Leave me alone. <laughs> and they said, reject that guy. If Pastor Rich ever does that, throw him out of the pulpit. Get rid of him. Put somebody in that loves God and serves God and is open to, uh, open to criticism if need be. Better be good criticism, by the way. Anyway, no. <laughs> we all make up and we all mess up. And we have to have that open mind. And if somebody says, hey, Got to be open to it. All right, that's all he's saying. Uh, heretic is pertaining to choice, capable of choice in an active sense. So what it's basically saying, when you don't do right and you don't do it, to him it is what? It's sin, it's wrong. Colossians chapter 4 says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Speaking the truth in love. You know, uh, Proverbs makes it very clear. Sometimes it's better just not to say anything. Well, you know, I just, I, I just got to get it out of my system. Go in the bathroom, scream it out where nobody can hear it, and be done with it. Does it really need to be said? Folks, this is good stuff. This is how, by the way, you, you keep your family together, you keep your work together, you keep your relationships together. Because most things that we want to complain and get upset about, how important are they? Not very. Uh, let's see. Let no corrupt, rotten, bad, putrid word proceed out of your mouth. And how, what does he compare it to? When we talk against other people, God's people... What are we doing? We're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Think about that. Ah, and that's why I love to see it. Folks, I love to see you when you're fellowshipping. I love to see you when you're getting together. I love to see when visitors are getting pummeled by everybody here and they're like, hey, let me say hi to you. So if you're a visitor, you're probably going to get pummeled today. Not physically, just verbally. They're going to come and want to say hi to you. And that's a great thing. That's what we want. The church God's love is building. Let's close it out. I'll be very quick on this. 
verse 12 says, there's one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge another? Folks, I've got, and I'm going to do this very, very quickly. Here's what God is saying. You want to destroy God's basic law, if you will. He's looking back to the Mosaic law. He's looking to the Ten Commandments, and he's basically looking at, and here's uh, on the screen kind of a quick help. When you judge a person, meaning drawing a slanderous conclusion, God likens it to casting a negative conclusion against his law, which is casting a dispersion on God himself. He's saying, listen, do not go where you don't belong, Christian. When you judge other people inappropriately, when you slander God's people, you're basically saying, take all of God's commands, take all of his principles, throw them away because I'm in charge on this, and it's denying the love of God. Let me point this out very quickly. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it, you shall do what? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All right, I am going to very quickly go through the Ten Commandments. It'll take me about one to two minutes here. And I'm going to show you, and I'll be happy to give this out to anybody who wants it. This is how you destroy God's law. First commandment, have no other gods before me. Why? Love is single-minded, being devoted, being loyal. Second commandment, you shall not make for yourself an idol. Love is not only loyal in attitude, but also faithful in practice. Third command, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Love is to be respectful towards its object. Fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Basically the first day of the week, which is Sunday now, but it describes love's intimacy with devotion. That's why we're here today. Fifth commandment, honor your father and mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Love is to be submissive to authority. Sixth commandment, you shall not murder the value love places on others. Seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery. Love is to be pure and to desire Purity, love would never defile another person. Eighth commandment, you shall not steal. Unselfish nature of love. Love seeks to give, not to take. Ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. It demonstrates love's truthfulness. Tenth, tenth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, nor your neighbor's wife, nor a male or a female servant, his donkey, ox, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Why? Because love's unselfishness is content. Love is content with what it has and wishes only the best for others. Folks, we're out of time. God says very simply, do you love people? Unigrove Baptist Church, got seven new members just came in, we're going to love you. We're going to care for you. We're going to fight for you when necessary. For those that are thinking of coming, be, becoming part of the church, we'll have another membership class coming up. Folks, you're going to be loved here. And you have a pastor that's going to stand up for you. You have a congregation. You have deacons that are going to stand up and love you. That's what we do here. That's what God's asked us to do. And if we, any of us get tempted to say things we shouldn't, boy, I hope we grab our tongue and we bite it hard. Because <laughs> we've got to love folks. How much does God love you? Let me close with this. 
God loves you so much that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down from heaven, died on a cross for you because he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves those watching on the internet today. God loves you. You say, you heard seven people explain how when they die, they know for certain without a shadow of a doubt that when they die, they go to heaven. How do they know that? Let me review it very quick and we shut down with this. Number one, every single one of them said, I knew I'd done wrong. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Every single one of them knew that because they'd sinned, if they got what they deserved, they'd have to go and burn in an awful place called, very politically incorrect word, but it's a very true word, the word hell or the lake of fire, Revelation 21.8. They somehow finally came to the conclusion, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down from heaven, died on the cross for their sins. Kim uh, uh, recited 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down from heaven, went to the cross, was buried, and three days later rose from the dead, proving he was God. You say, well, I knew all that when I walked in here. I knew all that when I turned you on the internet this morning. But did you do the final thing? That's the three things you've gotten to know, and here's the one thing you have to do. You say, what do I have to do to get to heaven? The Bible says, for by grace, God's free and merited gift are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. Nothing I can do, nothing you can do to earn your way to heaven. Jesus said it's a free gift. It's like I like to do. You'd pick up this free gift and you say, listen, here it is right here. You just have to reach out and take it. What's that free gift? For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of our works, not of going to church, not of being baptized, not of joining a church, not of being a good person because God says none of that's good enough. The only thing that's good enough to, is if you will realize you're a sinner, reach out and take by faith, what Jesus did on that cross, his death, burial, resurrection, and trust in him. You heard multiple times today the verse John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, that's each one of us, that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believes in him, in Jesus, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Would you trust Jesus this morning? Have you ever asked Jesus Christ to come into your life? Have you ever given him your life? Folks, just like Heather said, when all of a sudden as she realized and the Holy Spirit was touching her and tears came to her eyes and she's like, I got to do it today. I can't wait till tomorrow. I got to get saved today. Father, thank you so much for these people. Thank you so much for those that have become a part of the church today. But Father, there's others that need to trust Jesus as their Savior this morning. They may be watching, they may be driving, they may be listening, they may be right here in our auditorium this morning. If that's you this morning, are you ready to trust Jesus as your Savior and receive eternal life through Christ? You say, Brother Rich, I've never wanted anything more. I need to get right with God today. You realize you're a sinner, you say, yes. You understand Jesus Christ died for your sins, paid the complete price, and there's nothing you can do to earn it. You say, I understand that. Are you ready to repent of your sins and ask Jesus to come into your life and receive him as your personal Savior? You say, I'm ready. Would you pray this prayer with me? The prayer won't save you, but your faith in Christ will. Let's just tell him what's going on in your heart right now. Would you say something like this to the Lord? Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. But this Sunday morning, I'm receiving that free gift from Jesus, knowing that his death, burial, and resurrection paid the complete penalty for my sin, and I'm receiving Jesus Christ as my Savior this morning. Would you do that? Did you do that? God bless you. If you're here this morning and you say, Brother Rich, I know I'm saved. I've trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. 
But oh my, I do struggle with my tongue. I do say things sometimes I wish I wouldn't and I regret. And I've said some things that might have hurt other folks. Lord, uh, would you please, would you pray for me? Would you uh, ask God to help me to, to bite my tongue, not to say things I shouldn't? If that's you this morning, is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Right there where you're seated, why don't you just tell the Lord, please, dear God, help me to bite that tongue. Help me not to say those things that will uh, slander and hurt others, but help me always to be seasoned with grace and show love to other folks. Father, would you please seal decisions this morning. Thank you for the great day we've had here so far. We look forward to the rest of the, of the, uh, of the day and all that you're going to do. Father, thank you for it. Thank you for reviving uh, those that need it in their hearts, bringing those to Christ that need to come. And we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. And all God's people said.